Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call 314 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight. Start your computations. Seven twenty. Gosh, I did. Was that my voice too? Start your echo? computations. Oh, Mr. Kelly. Yo. Uh, how about daylight savings time? Who changes the time on your clocks, or are they all automatic? Well, I they're mostly. Well, no, we got a couple automatics and we got a couple manuals, so I will probably change them. And the question is, the one that I have to get on a ladder or a step stool to change, how long will that remain? That's always the question. We just had, I just had to put a battery in it because it was getting slow. Right. You know, I'm sitting there eating breakfast going, oh, I got plenty of time. And I look at the other car and go, oh, no, I'm late. So I had to change that. So the batteries are good. But, yeah, that, that's the question. So do you get up at 2 in the morning and change it? Absolutely. You got to follow the rules. If two you don't follow two the o'clock, rules, you're man. Screw it up. I know. So, I know. I know. It's two in the morning. It's kind of dark. Yeah. Not yeah. many lights. On <laughs> I, it's hard to see. <laughs> do you do you like daylight saving or do you like standard time? I like standard. Do you? So yeah. you don't mind it getting dark early? No, I don't mind that. I what I'm more a morning person, so mm-hmm. I like it light in the morning. Like this yeah. morning, it was so dark. The good gardening stroll was a little funky. I bet it would be hard to see the the good gardening if you're <laughs> yes, if it's you, dark it's out. Yeah. Right. It yeah. really is. I mean, it was pitch black. Yeah. And then luckily, I mean, on days when it's cloudy or anything else, it is even worse. Mm-hmm. Worse than black dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the short days, they, they kind of, I, I like sunlight. I got to have some sunshine. And so I hate leaving work and getting home in the dark, you know. <laughs> but I guess I have to get up earlier. So, you know, right. it all works out, I guess. All right. We'll survive. All right. Okay? Sounds good. You bet. Thanks. Yes, folks. And uh, as I said before, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. This is Saturday morning, by the way, and we get together and have a discussion about what's impacting your backyard, what's going on in the front or side landscapes, your specialty garden space, a taste of the tropics. My houseplants are inside. So I finally got them in last, let's see, I guess it was on Wednesday. And I don't have a whole lot of them, but I have my undergrow lights in the basement. And uh, what is a potting mix? How do you improve your soil? Should you be pruning this time of year on your burning bush? Should you prune right now or should you wait for a little bit? How about on your holly? Oh, you still see aphids on your some of your plants? How can that be when it's 
November. That seems impossible. Well, the information I'll share with you uh, helps you orchestrate, hopefully, and solidify your options, obviously, with the final judgment of the action you're going to take. It's going to be on your shoulders. And this is your show. <laughs> this is your shore. This is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Alex. He's producing. He pushes all the buttons so you can hear my voice, and also he answers the phone. So just your first name is all he needs. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. Gosh, that was in the last century. And I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. You can give me a call. Uh, go to my website, you'll find my email address or phone number, and I call the uh, Landscape Walks a walk and talk. And uh, we, you can reach me and we can set up a time where I can come to your home and stroll about. And the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I'm going to tell you, the Good Gardening Stroll today was, it was so dark. I was going to walk around in a Tower Grove Park, but it was so dark, even with the streetlights. Now, Tower Grove Park is a historic park for sure, and uh, it was part of Henry Shaw's, you know, venue in that part of the city with along with the Botanical Garden and everything else. But it was like this. They've got sort of the antique streetlights that are not LED or anything else. And I got out a couple times and yeah, you could see, but you couldn't really see because it was pitch black. It was still it was like 630. So the Good Gardening Stroll really didn't happen <laughs> first time ever. So I don't know why it seemed darker this year than it has historically in the past. Maybe it's because I'm getting old or something else. But I'll tell you, the trees have turned spectacular. Uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, I was saying, well, I don't know with the way the weather is. It's kind of dragging everything else. But Man, the maples are striking, and the ginkgo trees are striking as well. So those are the ones that have really jumped out and jumped ahead of all the rest of them. And uh, the rest of them are fine. I mean, the paleness and stuff, it doesn't have to be brilliant color, but uh, this has turned out to be probably the best early November that I can possibly remember. So it's it's just striking. And this time of year... What do you need to be doing with your trees? Well, before all the leaves fall off and you're concerned about your trees or you just you know want to have your trees evaluated, this is a very good time to have a tree service come out and take a look at everything. Once the leaves fall off, they can certainly still tell if a branch is dead higher up in the tree, but it's much easier right now. So that would be something I would do. So, again, I whimped out because it was so dark in Tower Grove Park. But I will tell you in Tower Grove Park, the farmer's market was setting up. It was about 6.30 or so. And at first I said, uh, I saw some cars parked, and I thought, what are these cars parked here for? And I thought, hmm. And then I was, the closer I got to the sort of the center of the Tower Grove Park, then I realized that all these things are being set up by vendors. And so consequently, the you know farmer's market, Tracy, you know, historically has gone and gotten – you know, mainly fruit this time of year, but it was just what she, you know, picks and chooses. So I don't know if she's going to go today or not. I don't think so. She's got, she hurt her back. But anyway, so Targo Park has a lot going on right now. So if you're headed in that direction, realize that the farmer's market's there and just plan on, you know, stopping and taking some time 
and uh, wandering through the farmer's market because it's always a fantastic thing. Since I always do the show, I can go there after the show, but uh, it's always fun to go early to events like that. It's just great fun. And then also the Veterans Day Parade is going to be, you know, taking off, uh, I think Brian said, at 1030. And they're already gotten a bunch of stuff set up down here. So lots of stuff happening in this part of the city of St. Louis. So you do have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is a beautiful morning out there, and it's going to be a wonderful day up to 60 or lower 60s or whatever. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We can spend the early morning as the sun really gets brighter and brighter and higher in the sky. Uh Talking about plant material. So let's start off by going over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. I have to thank you for getting me interested in elephant ears and cane bulbs some years ago. <laughs> I, uh, I love having the tropical effect in my yard. <laughs> it's very nice. And I finished getting out my elephant ear tubers and my cane tubers this week. Uh, I always find that the ears are easier to dig out of the ground than the canis. They are, they multiply so much underground. You have to be careful when you dig them up. Uh, I do put my tubers in milk crates, and I store them in the garage on an inside wall, and they do very well year after year. I've got about ten milk crates right now filled wow. up. Normally, I cut down my canis and my ears with a hedge clipper. But this year, I had one area where I had to use a keyhole saw to cut down the canis. <laughs> I mean, to cut down the elephant ears. The elephant ears got so big. <laughs> Great. I, I measured my ears when I cut them down. I had some ears that were 48 inches from the tip of the ear to the lobe on the rear side. Oh, my goodness. They, they were just fantastic. Now, I... Um, I find that my purple canis are much vigorous, more growers than the green ones. Right. I don't know why, but the purple ones seem to do a lot better. Uh, I have done something different the last couple of years. I've got an area about 10 by 10 that I have nothing but canis in. And uh, it gets to be too big a job to dig all those out. So I cut them off, and I cover them with the debris from the rest of my canis and my elevators, to about a foot deep, mm-hmm. and most of them come back in the spring. That's it's, perfect. Uh, if we don't have too severe a winter, I get almost 100% back, which is, uh, I don't know if anybody else does that, but I find it it's uh, an easier way to do it right. rather than try and uh, dig all those canis out because they are much harder to dig out. They I put are, most I of my canis and elephant ears in pots and in the ground. Uh, I just love the gardening. It gives me something to look forward to. And I hate to see the fall come when I've got to take them out. But uh, I just have to thank you for what you've done for all of the gardeners. Well, thank so you. thanks, Mike. Sure. My, it's been my pleasure. I mean, I love the outdoors, and I love to just share you know, my experience with the outdoors, too. So 
Your story is very nice, and thank you very much for the compliment. Have a good day. Yes, you do the very same thing. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. The cannas are really... The elephant ears are, you know, they're massive and everything else, but when you dig up the tuber and everything, I mean, it doesn't have a huge amount of root systems on it, where the cannas, you know, on that tuber has a lot of roots, and that's why they're a lot more difficult. So many people do just mulch them and leave them in the ground and have pretty good success with it. So thanks, Rich. Let's head over now to Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, I w- just had one question. I was wondering if it's too early to plant my tulip bulbs. Basically, I'm going to start doing it uh, within the next, either do some today and then finish it off by the end of the week. So, no, I think you should be fine. It's, uh, okay. you know, normally you would like to, for it to be a little bit cooler, but I think the ground is starting to get cool. And that's uh, what I use is a, a type of sedum that I have. And when the sedum starts losing its green color and starts kind of fading away and getting pale and looks white, then I figure the soil temperature is starting to drop. And that's what I use as a more or less a a visual trigger that says you can go ahead and plant your bulbs now. Okay. Well, great, because it's going to be a nice weekend. So I hate to miss it. (laughs) (laughs) Better to do it now than when it's really cold or it's raining or something else. Right. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you very much. Oh, I was going to say, too, we have a Veterans Day parade uh, this morning at 10 o'clock in Columbia, Illinois, also. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So all kinds of Veterans Day parades today. Right. Perfect. Well, great. So over in Columbia. Right. Great. Well, thanks for the you know, the insight. Okay, for the... well. Oh, go ahead. Thanks a lot for your help. I listen to you every week. So. Well, thanks for having <laughs> me on your show. And now let's head from Sandy's over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello. Um, hi, Mike. Uh, good morning. I had uh, a poncetta received from uh, me from last year from Christmas, and it's a white one. How do I get the leaves to turn white, or the bulbs, I guess, or the leaves to turn white again? Right. Basically what you need to do is you got to start putting it in a half a day in darkness and then you know bring it out. So it's got to be in total darkness. You know, for that period of time. So you can't, and then, you know, bring it out and put it in light. If you, you can't just set it in a closet and leave it in the closet for, you know, a couple of weeks. What you can do is leave it in the closet for a couple of days. And if you start to see it changing color, then you're headed in the right direction. But what it is is that where they're native to is, I believe it's in southern Mexico and close to Central America. And the days at that time of year or this time of year, Christmas time, are 12 hours of light, 12 hours of dark, and that's what is the triggering mechanism for the poinsettias. So that's what the growers do. They cover the greenhouse areas for, you know, that 12 hours and then, you know, bring some light in on them. Would I be able to put a big plastic bag over it and try and watch it that way? Sure. Yeah, that would be fine. Just make sure you don't break any of the the leaves off. True. I mean, that's where the problem is, putting, you know, any kind of bag or anything. I don't know how big yours is, but, uh, you know, a bag is fine, but uh, taking it off and putting it on may be trouble as far as breaking some of the stuff. So just be careful. Well, thank you very much, and God bless you, sir. Sure. Thank you. And let's see. Let's get another call in. Lori, how are you today? I am fine, and thank you for taking my call. Sure. Mike, I have a uh, dwarf spruce that I have spoken to you about when I first was getting it to plant it. 
and now it's a year old. It's hardy and it's healthy, but my concern is with it still being young root-wise, should I cover it this winter? Cover the plant? The tree itself, yeah. No. Just like, no, it'll be all right? Yeah, definitely not. Uh, basically, it wouldn't hurt to put some mulch over the root system, but the mm-hmm. above-ground growth should be okay. And uh, if it looks healthy and doesn't have any, let's say, problems that are very obvious, then you should be fine. Oh, great. Thanks. I really appreciate it because I don't want to lose it. <laughs> it was planned in memory of uh, my son. Ah. And uh, the second question, real quick, is I received a um, a peace lily, and it's a young one, but on the leaves... I'm noticing these little white granules that look like salt. And you just barely touch it and they come off. Is that a sign of a disease that I'm not familiar with that's coming into this plant? Uh, probably not a disease if it looks if it's white. It may be something called scale. Just take a, you know, take a look at it and if they're actually sticking on there so they could have you know been given to you, you know, on on a let's say to in a situation where the scale came with the plant, because a scale has to come from another plant. It can't generally it doesn't blow or anything else. So, I would say just take a a paper towel and a wet you know dampen it pretty much and just wipe any of the white you know spots you know spots off. Okay, so there's no treatment or anything that I need to do to the leaves to preserve it? No, you should be okay. And if you start to see more of them come back, then there's probably been uh, you know, some of the scale, let's say, parents down along the stem or something. And then scale's a tough insect to control because it has kind of a white covering, like almost like a fingernail over it, and that protects it from a lot of the insects, insecticides. Yeah. So, but I would just try to wipe them off. Okay, then that's what I'll do. Again, I thank you very much, and you have a wonderful day. We're going to have an enjoyable weekend because today and tomorrow is going to be all of our yard work. <laughs> Great. So, Sounds perfect. Th- thanks, Mike. Sure. Bye-bye. My pleasure. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or one 800 We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have ornamental grasses, even if they're not brown yet, you can cut them down. You don't have to yet. You can wait till they turn brown. But a good thing to do is just put some bungee cords around them. That way, when you do cut them with a hedge trimmer or whatever you're going to cut them with, they kind of... What you, need. you know, don't sort of shatter and end up with individual blades, thousands of individual blades. You end up with like kind of one big clump, and it's much easier to uh, take it to uh, your compost pile or wherever you're going to, whatever you're going to do with them. So let's head now to Brad's yard. Hi, Brad. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I got two quick questions given the uh, the fact that we've had frost over the last four or five evenings. Yes. Um is it safe for me to cut back my asparagus ferns? They're going crazy, and they've looked so good. I just wonder, is it okay to cut those down today? You can, but if they still look good, why not leave them? Okay, all are right. They, no are problem. they showing any frost damage? Because i got several houseplants that are, are, let's say, tropicals that are still outside. And even though it's gotten, I mean, frost on the car windshields are pretty thick. 
and and the grass too and i'm not seeing any damage to them so i'm just going to let them stay until i start to see you know some some impact of the cold well with that being said that's what i'm going to do too um my my second and final question is uh i think on my brussels sprouts they grew so well but i'm afraid that i plucked my leaves off a little bit early this summer and they're really not producing uh Mm. do you think they've had it yeah, more than if they don't have any foliage, basically foliage is what makes food, and that's how they make Brussels sprouts, or that's how any kind of plants, you know, more or less survives or you know produces if it's if that's it's uh, other than just making more leaves. So if no leaves, yeah, that I, means no food. That means they're not going to probably do anything more. Okay, yeah, because uh, la- last year they did really well, but I think this year I got a little ambitious, and I believe I plucked my. Uh, I plucked my stems off a little early this year. So, right. Uh, all right. Well, then we'll uh, we'll leave the asparagus, but uh, we'll put the uh, we'll put the uh, Brussels sprouts in the compost. Right. I mean, in theory, they always have these calendar dates to do things. But uh, I always say, if something still looks you know pretty good aesthetically, why not leave it? So. Yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense. Uh, Mike, I know you got a lot of calls. Uh, thank you for your service, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Great. Thanks, Brad. And now let's head over to Patty's yard. Hi, Patty. Good morning. I have a question about planting grass in the fall. Uh Um, My husband and I moved into a new construction house, so the yard was basically a mud pit, and we um, were able to have it tilled and seeded. um, But unfortunately, because of some delays, that didn't happen until about two, two and a half weeks ago. And uh, my husband's been watering it, but the seeds haven't germinated yet. And now we're wondering if it even makes sense with all the cold weather that we're having, if we should continue watering or just kind of hope the seed just makes it through the winter and wait till spring. Yeah, the seed probably won't make it through the wintertime. It's going to kind of get pounded into the ground or whatever it happens to be. So it's an unfortunate circumstance. But if it is not germinating at all, any of it, that's not a good sign for sure. So... You're just going to have to live in a sea of mud for a little bit, you know, for the next six months. Okay, it sounds like that. Thank you. Can I ask one more quick question? Sure. About um, uh, probably three weeks to a month ago, we had a a few little boxwoods planted, and we've been covering them the past few nights. But um, do you think they will make it through the winter? Will we have to continue to cover those? They've been planted now. Yeah, if you mulch around the root system, the above-ground growth may get some damage due to the cold, but... uh, I mean, the covering, if you want to continue to do that, you can, but it's not probably necessary. But boxwood are a little bit tender, and if they're young and they don't have the root system established, that means moisture is not getting up there. But probably even if they're covered, you know, if it gets cold enough, it may not, you know, help them at all to have them covered. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's a, you know, anytime you plant, let's say, broadleaf evergreens later in the season, like it sounded like you did, the, you're kind of somewhat taking a chance, whether they're holly, whether they're azaleas, rhododendrons, boxwood, or whatever it happens to be. So let's now head over to Jason's yard. Hi, Jason. Mike, good morning. I've got a question about some plants that I had brought in. I had uh, hanging potted geraniums and uh, ivy. I don't know what kind of ivy hanging. So I brought all of those things downstairs. They're hanging up in the basement. Do I trim all of that back? How dormant do I want them to be? Do I use a grow light a little bit? Am I trying to water them or just what do I do with these throughout the winter is my question. I've got one quick uh, 
just some input on the way I'd like my show run, Mike, because I think the advice you might give to someone in Jerseyville and DeSoto maybe is different. It's just it's of interest to me and feels like a community when I know where that caller's coming from. So I disagree with that uh, editorial decision. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Great. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, finding out where people call from, that's fine with me. It's just uh, Alex has got to handle all that, and he's got a lot of different things to go on. So that was the reason for that. And, you know, geraniums and stuff, you can just kind of bring them in and just leave them alone. You don't really have to do anything through the wintertime. Depending upon what kind of ivy it is, you may have to, it probably does need to have some light. It does need to have some moisture. And under a grow light would probably be to the advantage of both the plants. With the geraniums, my, as I always, have always said over the years, my grandmother used to bring her geranium, potted geraniums in, and she just set them in the basement in the dark. And with those big, thick stems, she, she just kind of, she didn't even cut them back or cut off the leaves or anything. What she did is in the springtime when she was moving them outside, she cut all the brown leaves off and just left them alone, and then they, you know, new growth emerged. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as far as uh, where people are calling from, it's just, a, you know, it's a question of, let's say, time more so than anything else. Alex got to push all of these buttons and answer the phone and everything else. But anyway, let's head now over to Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hello, Mike. How are you this morning? Good. Um, I I had bought a couple plants and put them out in a garden, and that was right before it turned to really hot, and all of my plants were scorched. One of them included a hydrangea, and it looked so bad, so I just pulled that out of the ground and put it in a pot, and I have kept it in a pot. Um, it was when I bought it, the reason I bought it, it said full sun, and that is what I did put it in, and that's where I paid the price, apparently, or it just was too tender to put out in full sun right now at that time. So now I've sat with it in a pot all summer. It has been out and um, in the sun or under half under a, tre- a tree sometimes, and it looks fine. My question is, is do I plant it now, or do I keep it in a pot and try and plant it again next year, and do I keep the full sun like they said or should I look for some sort of shade I'm I was kind of waiting just because I was hoping to get a tree to put to a plant and then put that near it so it would have more shade but Mm -hmm. haven't had luck finding the tree I wanted at this point (laughs) well basically you got a couple choices you can still plant woody plant material like uh, trees and shrubs because the ground is warm and they're going to have an opportunity to get some roots you know advancing into the soil and that's what really helps with, you know, sort of the winter toughness to be okay. able to withstand because we don't know what our weather is going to be like. Or else you can just leave it in the pot, just find some place, you know, in a, a location, in a bed space or whatever, dig a hole and just drop the pot down into the hole, leaving the hydrangea in the pot and just, you know, fill the hole in around the pot. Don't, you know, and leave about a quarter, no, like an inch or two inches of the top of the pot above the surrounding ground. Then in the springtime, decide where you want to plant it after winter's over. Okay. So you can do it that okay. way. Or you can pl- you go right. ahead and just, if you've got a location to, you know, to plant it in, just go ahead and plant it. And if it says full sun, then generally it means full sun. It's just this particular one wasn't sort of like what you experienced, ready for the scalding hot sun. You know, where, wherever you purchased it was probably somewhat protected, and that's why mm-hmm. it got sunburned. 
So, but hydrangeas can take the full sun? So there's plenty of varieties that can. There are some that cannot. Okay. But yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I think I'll try and plant it then. So, because uh, it really, I don't have a place that has shade much. So that's why I was planting for a full sun. Sure. So, okay. Thank you so much for your advice. I do appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Have a good, have a good. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like, depending upon the variety, I mean, if you don't know the specific variety, when you buy a hydrangea, look at the tag and make sure that it does say, other than just hydrangea, it says like PG hydrangea, oak leaf hydrangea, you know, continuous bloom or whatever it happens to be name-wise. Because that can be the like a PG hydrangea. That's one of the varieties that can take full sun all day long every day. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to come from a nursery where it's probably in a, you know, not necessarily in full sun all day long every day because of nearby plant material or whatever it happens to be. And then you put it out in the full sun in your own landscape and then it scorches. That doesn't mean that it's going to die necessarily. It's just an aesthetic problem with that year, with the foliage for that year. So let's, why don't we take one more call and then we'll take a break. Let's go to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Yeah, Mike, I want your listeners to know something that a lot of people don't know. There is a huge greenhouse operation in Millstadt, Illinois. And every year they have an open house. It's two weeks from tomorrow, I think. And they let the public come in, and they grow hundreds of thousands of poinsettias. It is a spectacular show. People need to know about it and go see that. It's something that, you, you you know, they don't advertise, but it is available to the public. It's wonderful. Well, great. Well, thanks. And so they, I'm assuming they have poinsettias of all different kind of colors and everything else. So, uh, and Millstat. So just, uh, you know, go online and find out where it is. And uh, if you're interested... 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to George's yard. Hi, George. Morning, Mike. How are we doing? Very good. One quick question. Um... On the knockout roses, when would it be a good time to uh, knock them out, knock them down? <laughs> well, you can wait because I'm, you know, I'm surprised that they're still budding and actually flowers opening up. So you, no, there is actually. Yeah, and so you can wait until it more or less finishes that, and uh, go ahead and prune them back at that time. How far are we going down? Uh, I don't how. I I never really with the knockouts or any kind of shrub I don't like to cut more than twenty percent off. So oh, okay. uh, I mean it's a different type of circumstance than off of the classic roses like the hybrid teas and grand floors and things like that. So and they stand about seven foot tall these knockouts. Oh wow! So they're huge. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> a couple feet off, a foot or two off, and uh, that would be all I would do. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Have a good day. Yep. Appreciate that. Sure. Okay. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Christy's yard. Hi, Christy. Hi. Um, I just finished a – we're working on re-landscaping our front yard, uh-huh. and I just um, finished our wall. And we bought our plants a little while ago because we were concerned that, you know, they wouldn't be available when we were ready to plant. Right. 
Any suggestions? We've had him. I pulled him in the garage a couple of days ago because of how cold it was, but they've been on the back deck and all that. Any suggestions? As far as? Well, I just want to, I didn't know. My husband wants to put gravel around him, which I know some people aren't into the gravel and all that. I like mulch, okay, but I don't know if I should put mulch around the roots once I plant them. Um, you know, just anything to kind of help them because, you know, I'm hearing you're talking about, you know, getting the roots established and everything. Right. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with using rock. So if you go to, like, Japanese gardens and things like that, they have, like, seeds of rock around the plant material they have. And... Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that versus, let's say, an organic-type mulch. So it's a personal choice as much as anything. Just make sure wherever you have set them that the roots, while you know they're si- still sitting in their pots, are not drying out. That's where you could have some real problems because if the, let's say, root mass diminishes because they've gotten this potting or the mix that they're growing in has gotten so dry, then it could be real trouble for them to get reestablished going into a winter slash and then coming out vigorous in the springtime. Okay. Well, I was going to try to loosen them, and I have been watering them. Okay. So. Um, and so, but I was going to try to, you know, loosen when I take them out of the pots and all that and then put them in the ground and everything. But that's why I just didn't know if there was something else I had to put around them to kind of protect them from the cold. No. Because you know, I heard some people were covering them and everything. Yeah, I think, you know, you can certainly do that, but uh, to me, that's a little bit, you know, just extreme from my, just my perspective. But just make sure that when you plant them that the hole is, you know, three times the diameter of the root ball, but only 20, you know, you're only about, uh, you're leaving about 20% of the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. So if there's any kind of settling at all, it doesn't end with a depression around the, the stems where it's coming up out of the ground. Okay. I have one more question. Sure. Um, I have a blue atlas um, cedar tree. Sure. Um, and it's one of those horseman ones, and it's losing its needles really bad. Um, any suggestions? Are they just interior are they needles, or are they needles all the way to the end of the branches? All the way to the end of the branches. Like, oh. I did go in and cut a couple branches off. I know. I'm scared I've lost it. I don't know if it was from the you know the cold snap we had earlier in the spring. Yeah, it's uh, generally when you start to see that, if you know, it kind of sounds like maybe where there is being grown, it's too much moisture. So, in other words, when it was originally planted, the top of the root ball wasn't above the surrounding ground. It's settled and it's at grade. And then remember some of those crazy days and days and days we had of rains. It could have just drowned the root system. Okay. Would that even have, I mean, this tree's a couple of years old. Right. Could that still be the case? Or? Oh, certainly. Because, I mean, the final okay. settling where if there's a dip around where the trunk's coming up out of the ground where water could settle, those kind of trees basically grow in more or less rock. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. So that means it's super well-drained. Nothing holds the moisture. But you compare that to our cold or our clay soils, which just hold moisture and hold moisture and hold moisture, that's where the trouble is. Okay, okay. Okay, well, thank you so much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, that's unfortunate that, you know, you spend a couple years growing something and you really enjoy it, and then all of a sudden it starts heading downhill. But, I mean, the environment's going to change. There's no getting around it. And as far as the spring flowering bulbs, this is certainly the time to do it. Uh, don't put any fertilizer into the, you know, into the ground with it. Just make sure it's 
very well-drained soil and a good sunny location is ideal for the majority of our bulbs, whether daffodils. I mean, you can grow them in the shade and everything else, but just realize that if you grow some in the shade and some in the sun, the ones that are in the sun are going to come up and probably flower way before the, even the ones in the shade start you know, surging with any kind of flower buds. And that's just because in the sun, the ground warms up more, and that's what triggers the growth in the springtime. So just know that uh, in the shade, that's what it's going to be. Is they're going to be later. When I was in the English Woodland Garden at the Botanical Garden, we had all kinds of, you know, I planted lots of different daffodils and stuff. And even in the Woodland Garden, along the perimeter where the sun hit more, they could come up and be in full bloom before the ones that are deeper into the shade, into the Woodland Garden, would do anything. So Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, this is the tip of the trowel hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly, but right now you can give us a call. We've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, and Mr. Kelly, how has this cold weather impacted your plant materials? Well, the banana tree is uh, looking not very happy right oh. now. And some of the other, like we have some flowering weeds that are really pretty. You uh-huh. know, they were. They're all dead. I pulled a bunch of them out yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, everything's pretty much dying off. Oh, really? And so we brought in the house plants and the stuff that should come inside. Right. Uh, the only good thing is we're seeing more of the normal birds. With the hummingbirds gone, the other ones were kind of not showing up too much, and now we're getting more birds. So that, you know, right. they kind of replace a lot of that. Perfect. Yeah. So birds, are you putting seed out? Yeah, we have, uh, we put finch and sunflower seed out. Oh, perfect. And the finch, the, like all summer long, the finch feeders are hard, hardly had to fill. More cleaning it out every couple of weeks because it got all gummy, you know? Right. But now it's, uh, it's. I had to buy some more the other day, and that stuff's expensive. <laughs> Come on, birds, slow down. So I had to put more of that out and, and right. more of the sunflower. So, yeah, so we've got feeders of both of those types. And so... <clears throat> Where the feeders are, you can see from inside, or you yeah. have to be outside on the No, deck they're right there. outside the kitchen window. Perfect. Yeah, it is cool. All and right. like we have one that's like the triple uh, tubes of the of the uh, finch feeders, mm-hmm. and there'll be ten or twelve of them out there. Oh, you're on kidding! There at one time, yeah. So Perfect. it's kind of fun. Yeah. Are they golden finches or? They're, we've got one or two that are still lighter colored, but they get dark in the winter. Right. And so they're they're kind of dreary just like everything else. But they're still nice. It's nice. And you hear the chickadees come in, you know. Right. So I spent some time out last evening. I was, you know, filling the feeders and just kind of hanging out a little bit when I got home from work. And it, it's really nice to hear the birds. It kind of cheers you up a little bit as we head into winter. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Sounds perfect. Thanks, Brian. And by the way, thanks to you for having me on your show. We're here. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds of annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, tree shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is Alex. He answers the phone, pushes all the buttons and everything else. So when you call, just give me your give his give him your name. 
And uh, I spend my time doing landscape consultations, which I call a walk and talk. I come to people's homes, help problem solve, aesthetics or whatever it happens to be. And uh, it, it's just great fun. I love, I've got to see so many, over the years, so many really unique homes with gardens and everything else. And I'm not saying they have to be well-developed or anything. It's just everyone's unique in their own way and their landscape sort of reflects who they are. And that's the neat part of it. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage is where my email address and phone number are listed. You can contact me, and we'll come and uh, figure out a best day and time to come over to your home. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 636-861-3344. Lots of stuff going on today. There's no getting around it. And uh, But I'll tell you, tonight, as the sun goes down, the Green Center, which they're in University City, they're having their Fall Fire Festival tonight, Saturday, and it's going to be from 5.30 to 8. And it's not just a big bonfire, which is the fires are cool. There's no getting around it. But there's music, there's drinks, there's artwork and everything else. So it's a whole huge event. Now, if you can give them a call. You can still get tickets. And uh, you can call 314-725-8314. Or you can go to info, I-N-F-O, at thegreencenter.org. And the Green Center is a really unique circumstance where they teach classes for kids, younger kids, that are oriented towards the outdoors. Plant materials and all kinds of different stuff. But uh, this is their Fall Fire Festival is so cool. We've gone a couple years. We're not necessarily going to go because Tracy's not feeling really well right now. But uh, consequently, we have just been amazed at how, you know, how much fun it actually is. So give that some consideration after you spend your whole day either at the Veterans Day Parade or doing whatever else you happen to do. Going to the Tower Grove, you know, Park, Farmer's Market or anything else. Let's get back to the phones. Let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hey, Mike. Um, just a quick question. Um, I basically have a fescue blend lawn, and I know a lot of people uh, say, oh, in the fall you should cut your grass shorter. Uh, normally I, I cut it during uh, the growing season with my lawnmower all the way up. It, it's either three and a half or four inches tall. Is there actually any benefit to cutting it shorter in the fall? I mean, does it help it grow better in the next season, or is it just that you don't have to cut it as much? <laughs> no, basically what it is is I don't like to cut it short as you know, like as much as like I see lots of different professionals and other people say you should cut it this short. I cut mine at about you know about three inches or so. I have zoysia, but the reason why the, this whole thing about cutting it short. It has nothing to do with how, you know, having to recut it because the cool season lawns will continue to grow until it really starts getting very, very cold. So you're going to still have to mow, but the warm season you don't have to. But it's to, to prevent the blades from getting really long. And then when it's, things start getting wet, either through snow or whatever happens, winter rains, if the blades will bend over and that creates a circumstance that create, could potentially create fungus problems. So that's what it's all about. I got you. Okay, so so there is some benefit to 
to cutting it shorter this time of year. Right, exactly. So it's just, yeah. you know, so you don't get the moisture potential and then consequently the fungus. I got you. Okay, Mike. Well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Craig's yard. Hi, Craig. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, I dug up my canas and my elephant ears last week and uh, laid them out for a couple of days, and I now have them stored in banana boxes, suspended uh, banana boxes separated with uh, newspaper. Is that a good thing, or should I leave them out for a lot longer? No, you could. It's. I like to cut mine down before. I don't let the frost kill them off or anything else. So I've, I have all my elephant ears out. I have all my cannas out. I have calla lilies and a few other things, too, that are bulbs that I dig up every year. So I've already done mine. And what I do is I let this, you know, I pull them out of the pots, shake them much of the potting mix off as I possibly can. Or if they're in the ground, shake the soil off. Then let the root system dry. Then, you know, cut the tops off. And then, you know, then put them just like what you're doing. Okay, so so leaving them with uh, newspaper in between is probably okay? Yeah, that should be fine. And if they're really dry, then you probably don't even have to do the newspaper. I, It just depends upon the individual bulbs and stuff like that, whether I put newspaper in between them or not. But uh, that's just to create a situation where if they're still damp with soil around the root system or around the tuber, that prevents any kind of, you know, fungus growth that could be could be detrimental to the root system surviving the wintertime. Okay, good stuff. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Mary's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mary. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have two questions. I did have a tropical area in in my home in Overland, and... I needed to bring in the bird of paradise and some banana plants. And I brought them in, but they did so well that literally they are touching the ceiling of our our basement. And I want to know how to cut off the bird of paradise and the banana plant. Can I cut it? Just... I just don't have any idea how bad, how far to cut it back. Well, basically, you can't cut the trunk of a banana off because if you cut those leaves off, then you got nothing except a stalk sticking up. That's what I thought. And okay. the same with the bird of paradise. You can eliminate some of them that are the tallest. Just cut them down as low as you want to because if you just leave, if you just cut the foliage off, you know, it's not the stem. Then you just have a bunch of stems sticking up. So you just have right. to selectively cut that. Yeah, that. And just leave the banana as it is, or just you know cut it off and just let it go more or less dormant for the winter time. So if you're going to cut it, just realize with bananas, the sap of the banana trunk when you take you know when you cut it, don't get it on your clothes or anything because it really does major stains that don't come out of your clothes. And uh, just you know leave it dormant and then move the pot out in the springtime. You'll get some new growth in the springtime. Perfect, because my husband is like an electrician with lights, and it, it, they're fabulous. So that works. And my other question is, I'm going to follow your advice, 
and uh, put some tulip and daffodil bulbs in uh, a big pot, Mm -hmm. like maybe like 16 inches in diameter, and then uh, and then plant them so that I have something real pretty come up in the spring. But where do I put the planter? I mean, do I put it in the basement or do I put it in a, 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 a an attached garage where there's like you know 40 degree temperature, or do I put it out in the barn out in the um, you know where it could get really cold? Well, basically, I leave my bulbs in the pots outside. You know, make sure that they're not under the eave of the house. So if it rains, it snows, and whatever. And uh, I've been doing it for several decades, and there's been a couple winters when it's gotten severely cold and the bulbs got frozen. But you know, out of all the years I've been doing it, to have that happen only a couple times, it's still been well worth it. But, no, they don't need to be under protection. They can be out, you know, out, you know, in the fully exposed. Okay, so, I mean, I should put them, like, where they can get rain and things like oh, that? Oh, definitely, because you don't want to have to carry water out and water them yourself. So okay. you don't want them to dehydrate. Perfect. So I just plant them like they say to do it and just put them out in in the regular backyard. Right, exactly. Perfect. Thank you so much. This, your show is wonderful. Well, thanks. Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. It's not my show. If you weren't there, I would not be here. So, yeah, it's uh, like I said, I basically have been doing daffodils and tulips for a long, long, long time. I, I just like bulbs in general. I like the summer bulbs with the elephant ears and the cannas. And, well, some of them are tubers. They're not really bulbs. But uh, just I just I started doing that, and I've really been very, very happy with it. And, you know, if I base, you know, the pots I have are fairly large, and I plant them at the correct depth. They'll tell you how deep a tulip bulb or a daffodil bulb or a grape hyacinth, and that makes me think, uh, you know, with uh, some of the bulbs on depth. But I always leave a couple inches between the outside perimeter or the rim of the pot and the first series of bulbs I put in there. And a couple weeks ago, a lady called about grape hyacinths, and she was really concerned about a grape hyacinth foliage was coming up right now. And it didn't click in my head that the grape hyacinths put out foliage in this fall, and then that dies off, and then in the springtime, you'll get the flowering coming up, and you'll get additional you know, foliage as a result of that. But... You know, I probably told her she wanted to know if she should cut it off or do anything with it. And I kind of just sort of like said, I'll oh, just don't worry about it. But now I remembered, you know, when I was driving someplace, all of a sudden it just clicked in my head that grape hyacinths put foliage out in the fall. So there, it's really kind of wispy. It's not really stiff or anything. It just kind of it looks like a, a, more or less a mop string. And uh, so, but that's exactly what they should be doing. Now let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Oh, oh, hi, Mike. Hi. This is Barb. I have two questions. Um, your suggestion last year for the best, the very best hanging basket was Wandering Jew and Begonia. So I made up five pots of them, and they were all were beautiful and healthy until, you know, the other day when it got very cold. Now, I plan to bring at least one pot into my kitchen, so I have a start of the wandering June next spring. Uh, do I need to spray a for insects before I hang it inside? 
More than likely not, because they're not really attractive to insects. I mean, you can look at it. The only thing that potentially could be a problem is if you have, like, fungus gnats growing in the potting mix, nothing necessarily on the pots. So if you want to get some uh, insecticidal soap and just water for the final time watering outside with the insecticidal soap to get any kind of, let's say, fungus gnats that might be there, that would be the only thing I'd, you know, I would even consider. Okay, so you're saying spray it with some insect insecticide soap, right? And um, then uh, I could bring it inside, right? And basically, you want to make sure that you get the you know whatever. I would just mix it up and not necessarily put it in a sprayer and just pour it into the pot and just you know, okay for the you yeah. know, for the surface. But my wandering Jews have not been uh, impacted by the cold at all yet. Oh, you must live in a warmer climate than I do. <laughs> yeah, I live in Florida. <laughs> Mentally. <laughs> yes. Okay, there's a second quick question. Um, I was planning, I, I'm going to try to bring a fern into my basement and hang it near window. Is that okay, or are there any suggestions? Yeah, you can bring them in, but they're going to drop a lot of those little leaflets. I don't know what kind of fern it is, but if it's like a classic Boston fern, or rabbit's foot yeah. fern or something like that, they really lose a lot of foliage, you know, during okay. the wintertime, yeah. even in front of a window. Okay, so, but it, that's in the basement. Nobody has to see that if I close <laughs> the door. Right, that's true. <laughs> okay, thank you for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And thank now, you for your, your, your service. Well, thank you for having me on your All show. Right. Let's now go over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Hi, Mike. Uh, I have a quick question about a crepe myrtle bush. Uh, I have one that's uh, probably about five or six years old. It's getting kind of big. I haven't cut it back this year, but I was wondering, is it too late to cut it now? And if so, how much would I uh, would be a good good measure to uh, cut it back? No, it's not too late to prune it because basically... What you you just want to get it you don't want to prune it too late in the springtime, but pruning from let's say this point all the way up until early March before any kind of new growth me you know, would actually come out of the stems, meaning any kind of leaves or anything like that, you can prune all the way up to that point. And depending upon uh, how high it is, I would say I would not cut more than let's say a third of the length of the stem off, and then you should be fine. Oh, all right. Very good. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Appreciate this show. Well, and uh, yeah, the crepe myrtles were really pretty spectacular this year. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks. And uh, guess what? All kinds of stuff going on in the outdoors. Last week, we had several calls about moles. And uh, I'm still saying, personally, the best way to control moles, there are other you know, ways, is just the traps. There's a couple different tra- kinds of traps, but, I mean, the only way that really consistent, but what you have to do is you have to not just put them in over a tunnel. If that tunnel is, is becomes inactive, then you're not going to get the mole. But consequently, you just keep moving the, you know, Watch for the tunnels to pop up. Those are the feeder tunnels. The tunnel that's deeper goes back to the den so the mole can go take a nap or whatever or have babies if it's a female. 
But that's one thing to you know keep in mind as far as the moles go. And uh, there's plenty of people that have called and said, well, I like this, I like that. But uh, consistently, it seems like the mole traps seem to be the best. And also, if you have a dog and you got burnt spots in your lawn or on plant material, on shrubs or anything, it's not necessarily because of the alkalinity of the urine. It's because of the high nitrogen content of the urine that dogs have. Now let's head over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. I have an invasion of Bermuda grass. Uh, it's taken over uh, an area now about 10 feet by 15 feet. Uh, how can you get rid of it without basically killing everything else? Uh, basically, if you've got the Bermuda grass and you got a big mat of it, I would say just go after it with Roundup personally. And then you're going to have to, you know till that up and everything else but uh, there are a couple other you know chemicals just go online and see you know what chemicals or go to your favorite garden center and see what they recommend but consistently well, the, what the, I've used has been roundup uh, but if you do that then I'd have to what wait till spring to try to get some other grass growing in there again because the roundup would well it's going to kill it off yes it's going to take right and, I mean, even in the, this late in the season, so probably I wouldn't necessarily go after it this time of year because the effectiveness of the herbicides is going to be reduced as the days get shorter and the weather gets cooler. Just wait until, the th- you know, let's say around uh, mid-March or so and do the application at that time. Then you can, once it's dead, then you can come back in with seed or sod and just take care of it, you know, with one. Personally, I like sod, but... Uh, some people prefer to do the seed, but with the seeding, you're going to have to probably reapply it several different times to get right. thick on. Right, lawn. right, yeah. Well, I, my thought was to do sod, but I was afraid that uh, if you do the Roundup thing, how long does it sort of stay in the ground? So if you put the sod on, it's not going to grow either. No, the um, sod base, Roundup goes or deactivates when it gets into the ground. So it's really only active. You know, so even if it's going down through the blade into the root system, it doesn't then spread out into the soil. It stays within the okay. plant material. Okay. Okay, so try it in the spring. Right, exactly. As soon as, okay. you, as, soon as you start to see you know, it green up a little bit, go after it right then because it's going to be less tough, less resistant than it is later in the season. Okay. All righty. Thank you much. Yep. And... Uh, as I was saying before with the spring bulbs, when you're planting your spring bulbs either in the ground or in pots, you don't put fertilizer in the, you know, in the ground, in the soil, or in the potting mix. But next year, as soon as they start erupting, you start to see the foliage or you know, flower stalk coming up out of the ground. Then you do start fertilizing, but only fertilize at half the label rate. So now let's head over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Good, good morning. Yes. Hi, I've got a uh, uh, oak tree that I started from an acorn. It's about a foot tall now, and it's been in my landscape, and I'm wanting to transplant it out to the yard. I was just wondering if it's too late to do that this year. Uh, you're kind of on the cusp, especially something that's that young. My tendency would probably be, wait, can you leave it in that location for a little while? Yeah, it's... Uh, 
been there for about a year and a half. Okay. I would probably let it go one more year in that location and just realize that the root system may be fairly deep, so probably one spade deep. Or if you want to go ahead and do it just you know now, you can go ahead and do it right now. Just make sure that you water it the night before you're going to dig it up. Then dig it up and make sure that you get plenty of soil around it when you're going to move it. Because if you virtually, let's say, bare root it, bare rooting this time of year is not something that should be done. Bare rooting can be done in the springtime, but it cannot be done in the fall. So that's why none of the garden centers or nurseries have any bare root plants for the fall. They're always in the springtime. So that's in the. Yeah, I've in got the, it. I've got it like in a 12 inch pot. Oh, okay. That's, and so I can take the whole thing out when I transplant it, take the pot off, of course, but. Uh, that's that's my plan anyway. All right. So next year, next spring, or would it be in the uh, fall that I would? Well, probably uh, ideally you would you know go ahead since you've got it in a pot. I would just let it sort of sit until next fall and do it at that time. Next fall, perfect. Right. Thank you. Sure. And three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. We got some phone lines open, so let's head over to Mary's yard. Mary, how are you? Uh, hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I, this is a follow-up to um, the potting bulbs in uh, uh, pots, uh-huh. and you may have addressed this already, but I did follow your suggestion last uh, fall, planted about 100 bulbs, maybe more in different pots, but but only ended up with probably less than a third of them because the squirrels got to them and dug <laughs> them up. And uh, what do I do to keep the squirrels away from my bulbs in the pots? Uh, maybe just, did you put mulch over the top of them? Uh-huh, I did. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Maybe just, yeah. you know, a piece of screen or something like that or, you know, because I, you know, I don't have any, I mean, we live right across the street from a park and we got squirrels, you know, too, too many squirrels. Yeah, well, and I they never did, you did have all kinds of squirrels at your house. So, yeah. um, and you don't have any problems with them. No. Huh. So, I mean, well, they I dig in bed spaces. But uh, usually if they're going to dig, they're digging to, like, drop an acorn or something into the ground. They're not really digging down to get the, you know, the bulb because the bulbs are, like, six inches deep, and they usually don't dig that deep. Well, maybe I don't have them deep enough then. Hmm. Well, I'll give it another shot and plant them a little bit deeper and maybe put a bit more mulch on top. Do you use your regular, um, the regular mulch you use for your... Uh, summer plants. Yeah, I use a cedar mulch, you know, that I get at St. Louis composting just because I like that. Now, a couple pots, too, I use because, uh, you know, the park across the street, Christie Park, has pine trees. So on some of the pots, I actually go over to the park and the pine cones that drop, I use those for a mulch over the top of some of my pots, too, just for a different look. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I'll give it a shot again um, because I like the idea, and I guess maybe I'll try to plant them a little bit deeper. And um, yeah, I hate to put it'd almost have to be screened, though, wouldn't it, so right. that the light could get to it? Right. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I'll give it a shot. Thanks, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And uh-huh. now let's see: three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed over to Charlie's yard. Hi, Charlie. Hi. Hi. 
I have a question about my lawn. Basically, right now, it's probably half weed, half grass. The problem is it gets hot sun in the afternoon because the front of the lawn is on the west side of the house. My question is, at this point in time, early November, what should I do? You basically just live with it. There's not too much you can do. Herbicides become less and less effective as the temperatures you know, get cooler and cooler and cooler. And so consequently, you can't do anything with that. We're at the point where we're on the cusp of the ability to put any kind of grass seed down. So you don't, as far as getting it germinated, and okay, it may even germinate, except the lady in the first hour called and said, you know, she put the seed out uh, over two weeks ago and it still hasn't germinated at all. But anyway, if it germinates, they actually have it grow a root system down in the ground to be hardy for the wintertime. So there's not really too much you can do this time of year. And sod availability, you may, you know, the garden center that you go to may still have sod, but that's even going to become less and less as the days get, you know, cooler and cooler and cooler. Should I de-thatch or not? Well, you can go ahead and re, you know, rake it and everything, but uh, that's not going to make that much difference, to be honest with you. Uh, you could power rake, you know, or core aerate, rather, core aerate, and then put some compost down in preparation for what you're going to be doing in the springtime. But uh, you can dethatch, but it's not going to make that much difference. So core aerate rather than dethatch or maybe just leave it. Right. Until spring. Right. If you got Come spring, then what? Uh, basically, it just depends upon what you want to do. So when the weather, you know, the ground starts warming up, then decide if you want to have sod or seed. Or go probably if you want to have a, you know, depending upon what type of weeds you have, if you have annual weeds or perennial weeds or a combination of both, are you going to use a post-emergent and a pre-emergent? So there's all kinds of things that you got to be thinking about to make this whole thing kind of roll, let's say, in the correct direction. But it's still going to be very difficult. Lawns here are extremely difficult regardless of what decisions you make. I've been planning the last couple of years uh, just that uh, KY, what is it, 31. Uh-huh. Prior to that, I had used Independence, which supposedly was a grass seed specific for Missouri's weather. But Yeah, that K31 fescue is, a. I mean, it's tough. It's durable. It's, a, you know, and so I would just consistently, once you get it reestablished, or just realize that it never hurts to coerate compost and add seed every year to keep it, uh, you know, sort of battling the weeds that way. But also realize that you're probably going to have to use some herbicides to keep the weeds under control. Like this time of year, the chickweed is just exploding, you know, with this cooler uh-huh. weather. So it's just, I mean. So it's, herbicide it now and come spring try to grow it? I would say herbicide now, you might be just wasting your money because the growing, you know, let's say it may work, but it may not. If you've got some herbicide and you just want to use it, yes, go ahead. If it's like a broadleaf weed killer, and uh, so it's just going to be an iffy thing. So the summary might be this time of year, October, core rate compost. Yeah, the September probably, you know, mid to late August, early September. That's probably when I All would right. do that. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate your show. Sure. Thank you. And let's head over to Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. 
Uh, I have some crotons that are just have been beautiful. Is there any way to bring them in? Oh, sure. They're, I mean, they're adequate, pretty good house plants, but they definitely need a whole lot of bright light, and they really don't want to be overwatered. So be careful with the uh, you know watering. Can they be cut back? Uh, probably I would not do that because it, you're just going to end up with a stem if you're cutting it down to where there's no leaves. And even if you cut it where there is leaves, a lot of the lower leaves, the ones closer to, let's say, the potting mix, are going to probably drop off anyway. So I would be very careful about doing any kind of pruning. And you say they need a lot of light? A lot of light and very little water. Right, 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 right. Okay, many thanks. I love your show. Sure, my pleasure. And Kevin, how are you today? Good morning. Uh, I'm fine. I hope you are also. Uh so the lady that called in a few calls ago about the squirrels eating the bulbs out of her pot, right. uh, I, I wonder if she's actually seen that it is, in fact, squirrels. I've had raccoons do the same thing in <laughs> my, like, whiskey barrels that I keep on the deck. And so the key I found is use, like, the animal repellent rather than – because Unless she waits down, I think you suggested maybe putting a screen over the pot or right. something. I mean, they are so persistent, and they're destructive. They're cute as heck, and they're just destructive. Right. But I don't want them on my deck, so I use the animal repellent around those type situations. Right. And that seems to do the best. So I was just offering that as an option if she's still listening. Well, great. Thanks, Kevin. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, repellents really work well. And with the screen, it was just going to be a small, you know, a screen that you just cut and just set it right on top of the potting mix. But I never really see any squirrels. I mean, you might see them with, a, let's say, a walnut in their mouth or something like that or an acorn. But I've never seen them, like, run from anybody's house or yard or whatever it happens to be with, like, a tulip bulb or a daffodil, you know. And I'm out a lot, so it's not like I'm going to see them all the time by any means. So that's just you know, the situation, you know, how it is. And as far as everybody with their cool season lawn, just remember, as long as the lawn is growing, go ahead and keep mowing. Don't stop mowing just because it's now November. Because if you don't, as I was talking about earlier, you get the grass blades that elongate, and then they get really wet. They bend over on top of each other, and that's where a lot of the potential fungus problems are. So, Virginia, Alice, and Pete, sorry we're not going to be able to get a chance to talk to you today, but uh, hopefully the Garden Hotline will be back next week, and you can give us a call at that time. So, again, thanks to Alex for uh, producing this show, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.